The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are going to talk about the Brewers' bad weekend yet again. They're living on the edge. Uh, we'll also chat a little bit about the Green Bay Packers and the preseason game, mostly Romeo Dobbs, why he is joining the ranks of Devontae Adams and James Jones, but not for the right reasons. We'll also talk about Bakhtiari practicing, which is great. Uh, and we'll do that. And then a little bit on KD and the Bucks, um, since there was a Shams report. And I taped the podcast late, so I got I got that in the, in the chamber. And we'll talk about the Tabby Keg wedding weekend. Uh, Murph's married. Congrats to Murph and M as they are on their honeymoon to the Dominican Republic. Uh, hopefully, he downloads this for the second half of his journey there. All right, but before we get started, you know where to find us on social media, Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. I heard from a lot of you this weekend uh, who support. I really appreciate that. I'll talk a little bit more about that later in today's show, uh, but it means the world to me. So if you're new and you're coming in, you heard about us this weekend, uh, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, anywhere else, we're there. Um, so make sure you check us out there. If you already are subscribed, sure leaving that rating and review we'd appreciate it all right let's talk about the milwaukee brewers and living on the edge i'm barely voiced so i i'm not i can't can't hit that high note uh like steven tyler so the the milwaukee brewers not the green Packers. the milwaukee brewers lost two out of three against the chicago cubs the brewers I believe have now lost 13 games or 14 games against the cubs pirates and reds since july 1st it's been ugly it's been gross uh, i said on Thursday that nothing that the Brewers do would mean anything if they lost to the Cubs. I said I think Wednesday. I didn't podcast on Friday. Sorry about that. But anyways, but but what I said meant meant true. Like if the Brewers did not do well against the Cubs this weekend, it was complete it was a complete wash. It was a complete wash of what you did against the Los Angeles Dodgers, especially because the St. Louis Cardinals kept winning and now we're on a seven game win streak. So you had to keep winning baseball games. And because the Brewers did not keep their heads above water, and now they find themselves five games back of the NL Central. They're one and a half back of Philadelphia Phillies for the wild card. Christian Yelich acknowledged after Saturday's game, they can't keep you know doing this. And they can't keep making dumb plays. And Brett Suter mentioned it a little bit on Sunday. I do think the chemistry is kind of off with this team. I think that... You know, they're, they're, they're just trying to find something. They're trying to find that magic, and that magic just isn't there. And I don't know if it's the manager. I don't know if it's something else. But, yeah, the Brewers are very close for people to just be like, I'm out. Like, I've had I had two friends this weekend say, we're canceling the Brewers. And for those, you're like, Charlie, why don't you cancel? Well, this is an old thing from KFC Barstool, a New York Mets fan. And he would have a friend that would say console day season and it was spelled differently. And I think it was like he was drunk or something. And like once you console, you're kind of out. Like you're kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm done. Like similar to Tim Allen, uh, who now is on the game, who would have the done club, right? Where you're like, all right, I'm done. Like, and when you're in the, you're in the done club or your console, like you're saying that it's over. Like you are not going to see anything more from the Milwaukee Brewers. And now you still watch. You can still be a fan. But you've, you've said, all right, you know what? I don't think this team is doing anything. And sometimes in an early console, you're right. Other times, you're not. And, like, I'm not going to tell tell you that this team is done. Now, if they get swept by the Cardinals, and, or I'm sorry, the Dodgers, excuse me, and the Cardinals keep winning baseball games when they have five against the Cubs this week, then, yeah, maybe maybe it's time to really look hard in the mirror and know that that mountain is, is, is too big to climb because there's a lot of games left. There's not a lot of games left. All right, there just isn't. There's 50 games. All right, it's 
you have uh, six weeks of baseball really left. I think you may be a little bit more than that. But regardless, like you got to keep winning baseball games. Like you cannot drop series to the Chicago Cubs. And especially in a series where you could have easily swept that fucking team. If you just kept your focus, if you just understood how to play with a lead, you would have swept that team. It's like different parts of the team did not show up on Friday and Saturday. And it's absolutely fucking infuriating. It just is. Like, I watched it back. I listened to most of Friday's game. Um, but I watched the recaps, which MLB does a great job with that. And I, I appreciate that as somebody who's trying to play catch up. And so watching the set, the Friday stuff happen live was just ridiculous. Like, they get a lead, and then they could not add to it. They let the Cubs just get the lead right back. Then on on Saturday, Stroman is fucking terrific. They get ahead, and then Devin Williams blows his first save of the season. I actually think the second, because right, he had the one against the Pirates um, in like beginning right after the Hater trade. Which, by the way, Hater trade, um, a lot of interesting stuff there. I can't really gloat. I can't really dance on it because the Brewers still suck. So that even that hurts me even more because like I told you, I was right. Like, I hope you understand this. Like, I was, I was right. And, but I can't, I can't even celebrate, right? Like, I, I can't because you basically have, you basically have, like, two teams that are, are not necessarily going in the right direction. I realize the Padres got done against the Nationals um, this, this weekend after another bad loss on Friday night. But regardless, like, fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, Williams blowing that save, man, and then just no bullpen guy could hold it down later. And it was incredible. It was just incredible to watch. Like, you get the lead, then Yelich fumbles the ball. And, I mean, Yelich, I, I don't know, man. The left field stuff, it's really tough. It's really tough. This guy won a fucking gold glove. And, like, again, it goes back to it seems like not everybody's focused. And I, I've said this now for about three or four weeks that it seems like when the Brewers play a team like the Dodgers, they seem locked in. They seem ready to play baseball. But then when they play a team like the Cubs – they let these simple mental errors go. And, and again, I don't know if that's tuning out your coaching. I don't know if that's Craig Council assuming more from his guys because he's played, he's obviously managed a lot of these dudes for multiple years on end. I'm not sure. But yeah, they are they are a unfocused baseball team when they face teams like the Cubs. And it costs them on Friday as well as Saturday. Now, thankfully, you get the win on Sunday. And there, you know, people were talking, maybe this is a turning point, but. I'm not there yet. Like I can't, I can't come here on Monday morning and tell you like that's a turning point of the season. Now, if the Brewers go off and they win two out of three in LA, they come back, they sweep the Cubs or they beat the Cubs two out of three, and then they they whip the Pirates' ass, and then they just kind of get hot, right? Kind of win like ten of twelve. We can go back and say, yeah, that was a turning point, but we're not there yet. And I think it's a little bit of like the line from Jay Z. Where it's like, nobody believes you, you need more people. Like, nobody believes in the Brewers right now. And I don't mean that like the Bill Simmons, nobody believes in us theory. I I don't mean it like that. I mean it like, nobody trusts that this team is actually fucking good. And so, you have to prove them wrong. And I, I, I can't tell you that I believe in the Brewers. I can't tell you that right now. I can't tell you that I believe that they will prove people wrong. I will say the Casting Hero stuff is absolutely bizarre. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me, and, and I, I really don't know what's going on there. Keston here has been one of the hottest hitters for the Milwaukee Brewers over the last few months. He's just been good, right? 
and Craig Council basically refuses to start. Why? It's actually a little more complex than I think some of the fans are making it out to be because guys like Rowdy Telez, Andrew McCutcheon are playing in the positions that you would have Kastin here at Christian Yalich if you have him out in left field, right? That Kastin here is a first baseman, a DH, and a left fielder. Those are all premier positions for the Milwaukee Brewers right now. Where they could use help is third base. Urias has been struggling. Maybe you try to see if Kasten can play second and hold on for dear life and get Colton Wong in there later in the games. But you kind of want Hura's bat. But yeah, I, I don't think he can play second base. I, I just don't think that that exists. I don't I don't think there's a world where Kasten Hura should be playing second base. Okay? And so I do think there is a roadblock there. Like I understand that part of it. But Craig Council needs to suck it up and play him at, at DH, all right? You need to put McCutcheon in center field and just call it for what it is. And now if McCutcheon doesn't want to play center field or McCutcheon knows that, like, I am not quick enough to play center field every day, I'm going to get wear, worn out, it's going to affect my bat, then he needs to say that. Like, I, honestly. like I, and, and, like, look, people could be mad at McCutcheon, but McCutcheon's an older guy. Like, I, I would understand that. And I, I'm not... It's like, it's one of those things where like, I need to hear it from the guy, right? If that's the reason, or from council, honestly, if council's like, hey, we can't play McCutcheon every day because it's just too much running and it, and it just tires him out. And we saw with Lorenzo Cain, like we're trying to manage that better. And if he uses that as an example, I, I really do think people would understand. But, you know, giving guys potential days off and then bringing them in as a potential bat, I don't know is the worst idea. If it's like, all right, Cure is going to be the DH and we're going to put McCutcheon in center um, on Monday, let's just say, okay? And that's and that's the lineup today. And then tomorrow, Cure is going to play. Oh, well, they're facing a lefty, right? They're playing Urias today. So Cure at first base, you give Rowdy the day off. Uh, McCutcheon, and, McCutcheon and Yelich are out there. But you could give Yelich the day off too. Yelich hasn't been that stellar against left-handers this season. So I don't know if it's a big deal to have Yelich not in the lineup. So then you so you'll have Hira today. Like that's a no-brainer with Urias on the mound for the Dodgers. You have Goslin, and then you have another lefty. So you have Goslin tomorrow. So then Goslin's an interesting one. So maybe that's a Hira DH spot. You put McCutcheon out in center field, and you have Yelich and Teles. Then you have Haney. Rowdy, I think, is done all right against lefty. So maybe that is a Yelich day off spot. Maybe Yelich, you know, deserves the day off. And you give Yelich the day off, you put Hira out in left field. Dodger Stadium, I don't think, is that tricky of a left field. Um, so you have him out and left, uh, you know, McCutcheon to DH and then Telez at, at first base. Uh, anything, you, you you just have to do something different, all right? Hira should be in the everyday lineup. I saw Kurt Hogg advocate for it. And Kurt being a beat writer, like to me, that was the most forward thing I've seen from a Brewer beat writer in probably 10 years. Like Hardcourt's probably rolling in his grave. Vassal's probably calling Hardcourt and being like, what the fuck? Tom's not dead, by the way. So rolling in the grave. He's not dead. Um, but, you know, Hardcourt's probably living, right? Like, I was like, how dare he just go after the team? I don't know. Uh, but anyways, uh, that was a pot shot, a little ricochet, if you will. But no, I, I think Kira needs to be playing every day. I don't, I don't, I really do not think there is a rhyme or reason of why Keston Hira is not out there. I, I can't, I can't put my arms around it. I think that there is something there with Craig Council. Some people have mentioned he has a really high Babbitt, like he's gotten lucky a little bit, which, all right, fair. But until like that evens out, until we start seeing it, 
Like, I think casting hero deserves a play. And there's definitely a free casting hero movement that has started for a while. And I think Craig Council has hit the nail on the head in a lot of ways. And I think he is a pretty smart guy. But the insistence on not playing casting hero is absolutely fucking ridiculous. And I hope that yesterday was the last day of it. I hope yesterday was the proof that Council needs that's not just left-handers. That casting hero bangs off. It's everybody. So let him play and try to try to make the most of it. Try to figure it out. Whether it's DH, whether it's other positions, you have to have hero out there, or the Brewers deserve to be not a playoff team. And we'll look back on this and say if they would have played hero more, they might be winning baseball games. But until then, I don't know. So Brewers have the Dodgers tonight. A lot of late night baseball. Not great when you're trying to catch up on sleep. Um, so, you know, I would appreciate it if the Dodgers are going to put us out of our misery. They do it early. Or if the Brewers are going to blow out it. But if the Brewers are, like, up, like let's say they just jump on Urias, unlike last week. Like, they get, I don't know, six runs in the first three innings. I'm not going – you can't go to bed because the Dodgers are a absolute juggernaut. So, we will we will try to be there for you. Um, podcasting might be a little interesting this week, but I'm going to do my best. I'm bad with the night games. It's never never good. Um, I've talked how I've swung to the other end of the spectrum with late night baseball. I used to I used to love late night baseball when I was like a college kid. And I didn't have much responsibility. Um, now, as someone you know with a job with, with the wife and the dog, and trying to and working out in the morning, like day baseball fu- or night baseball fucking sucks. So hopefully the games are quick. Um, we'll try try my best to do do the early podcast, maybe a little little less reactionary about the Brewers this week. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers have their second preseason game in the books. They were able to win. Uh, they looked pretty good against the Saints from all that I, I read and watched. It seemed like the Packers, you know, took care of business, especially defensively. I mean, only holding the Saints to 10 points. Um, Danny Etling with... A awesome 51-yard scamper with Aaron Rodgers kind of on the call talking about his scamper last preseason. Uh, Danny Atlin, you know, kind of entering in that Joe Callahan uh, Hall of Fame, Kurt Benkert, right, where people are like, oh, maybe Atlin should be the, the second guy. Don't do that. Um, if, if, you're, if you're thinking that, get that out of your fucking head. Uh, but anyways, uh, Romeo Dobbs is kind of entering into the James Jones, Devontae Adams Sphere, and then when I say that, you're thinking, oh, okay, you're comparing them, right? Like yeah, that's who they're, that's who they're. He's projecting to be, right? No, what I'm saying is he is having the same issues that Adams and Jones had with drops, and Dobbs had a bad drop in this game. Uh, Dobbs had a bad drop in that joint practice, and we've seen this before. We've definitely seen this movie before, and I guess MVS would be another guy, but MVS didn't necessarily level up to Jones and, and Adams, but MVS was also another guy who had these same issues, and I think still does with Kansas City. But with the other, with the other guys, with you know the guys mentioned, I, I look at this and I'm not too concerned, right? I, I don't think it's something that fat Packer fans should freak out about. Um, I think it's natural that a rookie might have some trouble, might not get everything. Um, it's it, it takes some time, right? You know, the hand strength, right? It might not be there right away. It's something that you can grow with. And I think we've seen it with Devontae. We've seen it with James Jones. And I guess with my thing with Romeo is just, you know, make sure that it doesn't happen often. And 
I, I think that was something pointed out by Matt Scheinman. I'm reading his recap, which was great. Um, it was basically saying how like he make he made a big play right after, right? Like he he made a big moment after after he dropped the ball, and that happened, you know, against San Francisco too. And I think Rodgers will be, you know, less likely to maybe potentially trust him if he's having drop issues early on or those big throws, right? I think those big throws will be dedicated to Lazard, to Watkins, um, maybe to Randall Cobb too. But I, I, again, I don't know Randall Cobb sprinting down the field. I think he's more that slot guy. But, you know, it, who is going to get that love from Aaron Rodgers? And I don't know if Dobbs is necessarily going to going to always receive it early on if the drops continue. Now, if he looks clean the rest of the way, great. The other thing you could point out to, not only just looking at James Jones and Devontae Adams, who struggled with this all season, and it grew ire of frustration for Packer fans, which that, that's always like forgotten. Like I could go through really fucking old tweets, probably back in when I was on my actual name account, and telling people that like believe in James Jones and like that I I stayed on James Jones Island like I had blogs about it like I didn't really I thought I saw it with James Jones I saw the talent that James Jones had and I I didn't necessarily give up on that idea that James Jones could be something right and same with Devontae Adams like there were guys who thought that Jeff Janis should make the team over Devontae Adams that was a real fucking tweet that was out there and it wasn't just one person it was a multiple people so like there will be frustration with Dobbs if his drops continue People will, I'm sorry to say, dropping Dobbs or something like that, right? Like there is there is going to be significant frustration. Wide receiver drops are similar to like striking out with runners on second and third and one out. Like it's it's just something that fans cannot tolerate. Nor nor teams, honestly. But it really drives fans crazy. So there is that side. There there is that side of the token that I think we have to at least recognize is on the potential precipice, right? We have to, we can't just go into this season and assume everything is going to be okay with Dobbs. Like we, we really can't, right? We have to we have to recognize and understand that this exists, that this, this possibility is definitely out there. But then other side of the coin here, Jamar Chase had some drop issues in preseason last year. And Jamar Chase, you know, people were kind of down on people were like, I don't know, like this guy missed a year of school. Like, are we sure that like he's going to he's gonna actually be something here? Or will Jamar Chase, you know, actually live up to the hype? And he did. And he's now considered one of the best young receivers, if not the best young receiver. And I'm not saying Dobbs will reach Chase levels and be the fucking rookie of the year, but there's a potential that he might fall in between what we saw with Adams and Jones in years past and what we saw with Chase last year. And if it's closer to the Chase spectrum versus Adams and Jones, I think Packer fans are gonna be all right. Look, drops happen. Like, as I mentioned, we, we hate them, we get frustrated by them, everybody hates them. They happen. You can't, you can't just assume that everybody is going to catch everything. Your hope with drops is that they're basically a footnote in the game and they're not contagious. That just because Dobbs drops one doesn't mean that Lazard then drops one, then Tanyan drops one, then Jones drops one, right? Like you hope they're not contagious because that happens, That it really does. Like I, I swear to God, it, you start seeing it from everybody. You hope it's not contagious and you hope it's not a game-changing play. You hope that you're not coming on the podcast on, on Sunday afternoon 
and saying, if Dobbs would have just caught that ball, we would have won the game. So I, I really hope that we are not, we don't have those conversations this year. To me, if we do, those are more on the, the end of the Adams Jones spectrum. If it's just, hey, a drop here and there, it happens once every three games or once, maybe even once every two games, but they're not, they're, in, they're inconsequential drops. We're going to look more at the chase spectrum. And Dobbs flies off and he's this awesome receiver and, you know, contending for rookie of the year, then great. So hopefully that's that's the case and it's not the former. Sticking with the Packers, David Bakhtiari back at practice yesterday, um, which was great to see. Uh, David Bakhtiari obviously says taking it day to day um, and not necessarily, you know, putting all his eggs just in the fact that he is practicing, right? And I understand that. I, I totally get that from a guy battling just an absolutely brutal ACL injury. And I think we don't see brutal ACL injuries as much as we used to, right? I think, you know, modern medicine has done so well that we don't necessarily put ourselves in those positions every way. Out of respect for the 24-hour rule, I will not mention a scene in the House of the Dragon on the new Game of Thrones show, which... Fuck, I'm back. I think everybody is back on Thrones. You, you have to be, right? Like, it's like, oh, we're back. Um, there was a scene where, yeah, modern medicine would have would have helped out and would have, would have made made a difference in the long run there. But we will uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for, uh, for all of you who haven't watched yet. Um, so no spoilers there. But anyways, Bakhtiari is back at least practicing. That's a good start. That is a step forward. I don't know. I think it would be too early for Bakhtiari to play against the Chiefs. You know, on I think it's Friday again. Packers play again Friday. I, I think it would be way too early uh, for Bakhtiari to play play right away. You know, only a few few practices. I trust that David, if he felt healthy and wanted to, you know, get some reps in before playing Minnesota in two in two or three weeks. Like I, I get it, right? Like I, I I can understand if Bakhtiari wants to do that. I can also. Not necessarily be too upset if Bakhtiari needs a full like month of practice before he's playing, right? If it's if it's you know the Chicago Bears and and that's where he's starting, then great. But this also lines up with some of the stuff we talked about early on in training camp, where I said to Mitch, and I think I said it to just you guys when I'm doing solo stuff, where I was like, if Bakhtiari's out here by ha- by midway of August, like we're gonna be okay. Now, would I have preferred last week? Yeah, because that was the midway point, right? It was August 14th. Now it's August 21st. It's a little less time, but David Bakhtiari is back. And that's that's a good thing. That is a good thing and a good way forward. And you just hope that David Bakhtiari is going to be able to maintain this. That this is not just you know one step forward, two steps back. That he not only is going to practice today, he's going to practice tomorrow. He might do some hidden, like start feeling good. And then it's like, all right, this is the Bakhtiari of old. That would be great. That would be best case scenario. I think, again, similarly to what we talked about with the Brewers, where we're like, hey, we're not going to believe you. It's not that we're not going to believe David Bakhtiari, but like, I think we all are like on bated breath. Like We all need to see it for a week, for two weeks, before we're all all the way back in on Bakhtiari. And you know, I think it just makes Aaron Rodgers more comfortable to have him out there. Like, it just does. Like, I, I think it really helps Aaron Rodgers. And some of the pressure stats, I think, you know, that they say, oh, Aaron Rodgers has struggled more under pressure. It's like, well, sure, but like Aaron Rodgers and Bakhtiari, he didn't have Elton Jenkins either. Like, 
I think that's a little bit of a flawed stat. I know Aaron Rodgers, you're like, oh, everybody, oh, I have to defend Aaron Rodgers. It's like, no, but, like, I think we have to understand, like, he didn't have Bakhtiari for all year. He didn't have Elton Jenkins for half the year. Like, are we sure those pressure stats aren't a little fugazi? They, they feel like it to me. We'll see what happens with the Green Bay Packers. Long way to go as as we head closer and closer to week one, uh, September 11th against the Minnesota Vikings. Real quick before we talk about the Tabby the Keg wedding, uh, Sham Sharania reported that the Milwaukee Bucks inquired on Kevin Durant uh, back in late June, early July. I'm not surprised by this. Um, I think it's the Bucks just doing their homework. They're seeing what the, the Nets would want. Um, seeing what kind of package that would look like. I think that's smart of the Bucks for a variety of reasons. Number one, knowing what the package is, I think helps, you know, understand how the landscape might change. You know, might Durant go somewhere? You know, what teams in the East could actually put together this package? I think that that's good to know, number one. Number two, being involved in those conversations and having your name being mentioned, I think matters, right? Like, I think that's a good thing for Giannis to see. And that's a good thing for the fans to see. Because even if Durant isn't a real possibility, just because the Bucks are mentioned means that I'm talking about it, means that local radio probably should mention it today, means that maybe the Bucks are mentioned on first take or undisputed. Like those are those are good things. It keeps your team in the forefront. It makes it shows you that, hey, we're not just a fucking small market team that won a title two years ago, right? So I like all of that. Do I think the Bucs are serious contenders for Kevin Durant? Probably not, right? I don't think they're going to ruin the chemistry. I under, I can understand that Giannis has an affinity for Durant, that Giannis loves Kevin Durant. That was the guy he looked up to. And I do think that if Kevin came to Milwaukee, we would welcome him with open arms. And I realize that Durant is a very, he's had a really tough summer. Uh, there's no way about it. Uh, it's been a, it's just been an awkward awkward year and the guy is you know looking like a male content and it sucks and, and and because I like Durant I think Durant's a hell of a fucking player and this is definitely took a hit I don't say on his legacy but just on his personality man like it's just like it's similar to Rogers but maybe different like I think it's actually way worse honestly and so and Rogers was able to you know channel that and become MVP and now feels better than fucking ever after that year of, or that summer, I guess, of discontent, if you will, which I think it was Simmons podcast topic, which excited to have Bill back. So I, I hope that Durant sort of gets out of this and he's embraced by the next team. And the team that I mentioned way back when this started, if you go back and listen to it, I said, Memphis makes a ton of fucking sense. And who is potentially at the forefront? Memphis. That makes sense. Trade Triple J. I, I would. Like, I understand Triple J was a near defensive player of the year. But he has some injury issues. Like, you look at it for the net side of things. If you have Ben Simmons and you have Jaron Jackson, like, that's a fucking great defensive team. Like, you can win with defense. You just need Cam Thomas, great shooter. Like, all of a sudden, you look at that Nets and they're kind of like, okay, maybe they can be this young, scrappy team. And maybe you can convince Kyrie to play and and sign his contract, and then all of a sudden, like, Kyrie's defensive issues are basically absolved by Jaron Jackson. So, and, I, and I also think that Memphis would be the type of fan base that would welcome Durant in with open arms. Now, they beat Team Twitter, 
with the way John Morant talks shit on Twitter and the way Durant talks shit on Twitter, like it would be it would be the most social media active team of uh, of our generation, right? But still, I I think it would be really exciting if he went to Memphis and it, one less team in the Eastern Conference for the Bucks to worry about. And, and again, I don't expect the Bucks to pick up noise on this, but it's it's good to be in the conversation. That always matters. All right, let's do the Tammy and the Keg wedding. So I saw Murph get married this weekend. Uh, it was great. Um, it was a great ceremony. Austin did a great job. Um, it was a great reception. Shake had my guy. Killed it. So good. Uh, I heard so many people just hyping him up, which was awesome to hear. And just being able to be like, yeah, that's my friend. Like, that's a guy I've known for really my whole life. And that was it's a proud moment, honestly. Like, I was, I was extremely proud. Uh, they had some technical issues. I ran over there and I was like, look, this is this like isn't your fault, right? But the thing that stood out to me the most when it, you tie it back to the podcast is how many just random people reached out to me that are Murph's friends and were like, oh man, you're tapping the keg. Like, I listened to you. Like, I, I really liked you. I think there were a couple of snow tap mentions in there. You know, J Boy uh, making me do uh, the reviews, which I haven't posted yet. I, I I think I don't have the one from Saturday, but I do have the one from Friday, so maybe I'll get those up on uh, on the socials, if you will. But you know, the fact that I have a friend, a really close friend, a guy who I call one of my best friends, and Murph advocate for me to all his other friends and be like, "You gotta listen to this guy," just means the world to me. I mean, that it really does, and. I think I mentioned to you guys that on my birthday pod that I did where I was really in a, a tough spot last week where I was just like, man, I'm 34. Like, uh, why should I do this? Why Why should I, 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 is this worth the passion project? Is it worth the energy I put in? And it, and it really is. Like listening to that shit, like it made me want to keep going. It made me want to do more, you know, than I'm already doing and trying to expand my fan base and grow this fucker into something more and more and it's it's been really fun to see and like meeting Evan Cohen who you know runs a you know great show on Sirius and it was was awesome and it was and it was great to talk to Evan about sports a little bit and some of you were, and I didn't pitch my podcast to him I didn't, I didn't tell him like hey I have a podcast because you know what I was I, my tie was loosened I had two beers like that's not the time for it okay like I, I'll maybe reach out to him. I'm, I'm definitely gonna shoot him a follow. But like, someone's like, "Why didn't you pitch him?" I was like, "Dude, it's a fucking wedding." Like I, as much as I would would love to to do that and love to tell him that, I don't know what he what he's looking for. I'm a paid media guy in general. Like I know that companies could use me if they wanted to, right? Not that I'm looking right now. I'm very happy with my job. But regardless, like that's that's what I I do. That's what I do really well. I do that. I think I do this pretty well too, but and it might be a missed opportunity. I might look back on it and say that was a major regret. But I also just do not feel comfortable, you know, doing that in moments that aren't that don't don't mean something, right? If Murph had brought it up and he was, you know, running around like everyone does at their wedding, right? You you really don't have time. To do all the things you want to do at your wedding, and it was a smaller wedding, so hopefully, he was able to talk to everybody. I certainly was not at my wedding, and you know, I, I think that if Murph had made a comment like this is a guy I podcast with, um, then yeah, we could talk about it. But because that wasn't brought up, I was like, you know what, this isn't the moment, and it, and yeah, maybe that maybe that was a bad maybe that was a bad move. 
Um, but I think it's I think it's something that I uh, I, I definitely don't regret at the, at the moment, and we'll see. Um, and I like talking to him. Uh, you know, everybody, man. Murph's Florida boys are great, and those guys are a lot of fun. Now it's like to the point where I'm like, well, maybe we go for Buck Seat in the middle of January and just just kind of it's a six month thing and home and homes with Florida and Milwaukee. Uh, you know, winter and summer. It sounds kind of good to me. But yeah, man, it was it was awesome seeing my guy get married. Um, it was such a fun weekend at the island. Uh, we had we had a great time. As as I as Mitch and I, as well as Murph said, like we could have easily took over that fucking island. Like there's no doubt in my mind that we could have created a coup and taken over that island. And it would just been Tabby Keg Island, and we'd live up in Birchwood, bring the wife up. Like she was not intended to do that her own thing. And we could have just we could just own that fucking place like we and we did like we I mean we ran shit um, it was a lot of fun man it was definitely a, a memory a memory and a wedding that like I just I won't forget like it was a, it was definitely a top tier wedding and I, I just had a great time very thankful uh, for the friendship and you know Murph and Em and they they put together hell of a party great show and we had, we had a lot of fun so yeah it's uh, we got two or three so we just got Mitch to go. Um, and yeah, we've got a little work to do there, but we're, we'll get there, um, and we'll celebrate Mitch at some point in our lives. It'll be great. Um, I'll tell you what. One other thing, as you can tell, I tell my voice is not necessarily at top top tier. Um, so a lot of yelling. It was starting to go on Saturday. It was bad. Um, I did a lot, a lot, a lot of singing, um, jamming out, and was yelling at people that I'll see them in Glendale. Um, a lot, I, you know, I was just like, all right, fuck, we're, we're going to fucking Super Bowl. Like, I don't know. I said, I said it to a uh, group chat with some guys who were at the wedding. And I was just like, Hey, what pe- better plan for Arizona in August or uh, February? They're like spring training trip, golf trip. I was like, fuck, no, I would fucking go to the Super Bowl guys. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so, so, so that was awkward, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, I had, obviously I had a few beers there. Uh, but what they don't tell you is that those drives, man, I did a fucking four and a half hour drive after a day of golf and I was so, I, I still am, I'm, I'm just sore. Like I don't, I don't drive that much. Mitch mentioned that to me on my way home. It's like, I just don't drive anymore. Like I work from home. I, I have not done a drive like that in a very long time. My wife usually drives because I'm maybe not the best driver. Um, I'd like to consider myself like a pitcher who just doesn't have control, like a quad A guy. Like I can get the job done maybe in one time, but there are going to be some bad moments here and there. Um, and I, I thought it well. Like, I don't know. I, I got a self-scout for Mitch on my way up. And Mitch was like, yeah, I was about to be. I, I think he said B minus. Um, I didn't ask for a self-scout on the way home. Um, but I, I thought it was, it was a tough, and it was a tough drive. Like we basically had stop and go shit from Madison up to Brookfield and it was just not fun. But yeah, it, you know, if I have to do it, I can do it, which is good. It's good to know that I still have it. Had to recalibrate on the caffeine though, man. I did not have, I didn't have enough energy. Like I was in Boston and I was just dragging ass and I'm like, we still have fucking like two and a half hours to go. So I got a massive Diet Mountain Dew and a Rice Krispie Treat. And then after that, I was I was soaring, um, got the endorphins that I needed to head home, started to feel kind of good again. And then, yeah, it was, it was again, hell of a weekend. I'm not fully back to homeostasis. I don't want to see a beer in my face until at least Friday. And even that, I don't know. Um, but yeah, great time, man. And really uh, thankful uh, for it. And just loved all the friendship, loved all... All the moments that we all shared together 
on that weekend. All right, that does it for today's show. Like I said, I know I've been bad with my morning guys. I'm sorry. Um, we're gonna try with the, the Brewer Dodger game. Hopefully, it doesn't. They don't go too late, um, and we're able to do you know podcasts with it. You know, I don't know. I don't really want to bypass the games. It's too important of a time of the year. Um, so I will try my best to you know make that happen. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see if I'm able to. Uh, if not, uh, we'll uh, we'll figure something out. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great Monday, and uh, we'll talk tomorrow. All right, see you. Bye.